The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, reading from the NIV. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, that's a bad day, isn't it? So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool goes to the left. That is not a political verse, by the way. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Uh, My grandkids are here for the weekend, uh, but they are not in church. They're in Sunday school, and I'm glad because I wouldn't be allowed to read the Bible in their presence using the word stupid. So uh, there it is in the NIV. Father, we look at these few verses, and uh, as we look at uh, fools, uh, we look at uh, people who live their lives foolishly. We desire not to be that way. We desire to live wise lives and to walk in wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Fools. You know any of them? Related to any of them? Married to one? Don't raise your hand. If uh, you Google up stunts gone wrong, you'll see fools. You Google up uh, stupid bike or skateboard stunts, you'll see fools. You Google up dumb criminals, you'll see fools. I I, I did that this week. I looked at a bunch of videos, spent too much time looking at videos probably, and as I looked at those, I thought, we are surrounded by fools. I mean, they're everywhere. And uh, Solomon says that. You can tell by looking at them. You can tell what they do and where they go and and what they're like. Fools. Uh, Somebody sent me this story a while back. It took place in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. It was wintertime. Two friends decided they wanted to go duck hunting. Of course, the lakes in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, the UP, are frozen at that time of year. One of the guys had just bought a brand new Lincoln Navigator price tag, $52,500 monthly payments of $680. So they took his Navigator, they took guns, they took a dog, and they took some decoys. They decided they realized they needed to open up a big stretch of water if this was going to work and not just a little fishing hole, kind of like uh, if you've seen ice fishing, that's kind of what ice fishing looks like. You put a small hole, but they wanted to duck hunt. So they recognized they needed to do it. So these rocket scientists came up with the idea they would bring with them a stick of dynamite. And so they drive their brand new Lincoln Navigator onto the ice where nobody else is. And uh, one of them goes to the back of the Lincoln Navigator, pulls out a stick of dynamite with a 40-second fuse. Now, they were afraid that they might slip on the ice while trying to run away after lighting the fuse. So they decided on the following course of action. They lit the 40-second fuse, and with a mighty thrust, they threw the stick of dynamite as far as possible. Now, remember, you've got decoys, a navigator, Uh, two fools, guns, and a dog. Let's talk about the dog for a second. The dog was a highly trained black lab used for retrieving things. So our two rocket scientists throw the stick of dynamite as far as they can, and the dog takes off at a high rate of speed, grabs grabs a stick of dynamite as soon as it hits the ice. The two men are screaming and howling and waving, and of course the dog thinks he's calling them to come, to, calling him to come to them. 
And so they're waving and screaming. They recognize it's not going to work. So one of these guys decides at spur of the moment to grab his shotgun. It has number eight birdshot in it, knowing it's not going to kill his dog, but slightly wound him. He dropped the stick of dynamite and come back to where they were. But that didn't happen. The dog was confused. He continued on. Second shot, the dog was confused, looked at these rocket scientists and couldn't figure out what was going on. So he took cover. The only place to take cover was under the Lincoln Navigator. The men began to run as fast as they could. The red, the red hot exhaust pipe on the truck that was still running touched the dog's rear end. He yelped, dropped the dynamite under the truck, and took off after his master. All of a sudden, looking back, the two men heard kaboom. The truck was blown to bits, sunk to the bottom of the lake, leaving the two uh, fools standing there with this I-can't-believe-what-just-happened look on their face. The dog was safe, ran away from the dynamite, the insurance company sent them a letter that uh, explosive used in a legal manner are not covered by their policy, and so he's still paying $680 a month for his Lincoln Navigator that's on the bottom of some lake in Michigan. We're surrounded by him. Take a look around. Right now, we're surrounded. Some of us are fools. Some of us, really, if... We could replay the words that we used this past week, we'd be fools. If we we could replay the things that we did last night, we're fools. If we could replay some of the encounters we had in the last month, our hands would go up and say, we're fools. Solomon has had this quest for life under the sun. It's an under the sun search. He's not looking beyond. It's under, and so he's skewed in his perspective. We've said the book of Ecclesiastes is like gone through a dark tunnel, dark tunnel, dark tunnel. Every once in a while, there is a shaft of light. And the shaft of light that Solomon sees is that it's better to live as he observes people in the world that he's in. He says, I can tell you one thing, even though life is vain and it's meaningless and it's empty, here's one positive thing I can tell you. It's better to live as a wise man than to live as a fool. That's his conclusion. I mean, when you look at all of chapter 10, that's Solomon's conclusion. He's looking at mankind in general, looking at people in his empire, and he says, one of the conclusions that I can reach is better to live your life as a wise person than as a foolish person. The, the importance of wisdom and the danger of folly. Verse 1 has a principle for us. The principle is folly destroys one's reputation. If you live foolishly, you can destroy your reputation. Look at verse 1. I've got the New American Standard now. It says, dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. What is Solomon saying? I mean, there's nothing worse than gone to splash on a little cologne or a little aftershave or a little perfume. You get ready to splash on your, your Red Door ladies or your Lauren or your Jador uh, or guys, your Polo, your Eternity, and you get a handful of insect. That's not a good day. Well, we can't relate to that because the way we get perfumes and the way we get colognes are in a screw-top bottle with a little mister on it, and, and we can't relate to that. But in that day and age, perfumes usually came in jars or they came in bottles, and oftentimes they were covered with cloth, and sometimes flies would get in. And the reality of it is a few insects destroyed the whole batch. 
like a little yeast, like a little leaven comes in and, and leavens the whole bread. Likewise, a few dead bugs in your perfume ruins the whole batch that is in the jar or is in the barrel. What Solomon is saying is, just as a small insect can ruin a whole bunch of stuff, likewise, a foolish person can be ruined in a single act of folly or several acts of folly. I was thinking, who are the fools in our day and age? Well-known fools. My, I, my mind goes to athletics. Oftentimes, I don't know a whole lot about entertainment. Uh, but, but, you know, there, there are some recent fools that we'll see in our day and age, right? I, I mean, both these guys. Yeah, you know about Tiger Woods and his escapades and everything else. Here's a guy on top of the world, and he's out uh, messing around with multiple women and ends up not even with his kids and with his wife. And there's Lance Armstrong, a Texan, no less. A guy who we respected because of what we thought he was doing legally, but found out he was doing it all illegally. And when you think of Lance Armstrong now, do you think of his victories in Tour de France? No. You think of a fool. You think of a guy who cheated and lied about it the whole time. In 2001, he made an anti-doping commercial for Nike. Isn't that interesting? In it, he strongly disavowed using illegal drugs. The commercial says this. He boldly states, this is my body. I can do whatever I want to. I can do whatever I want to it. I can push it, study it, tweak it, listen to it. Everybody wants to know what I'm on. What am I on? I'm on my bike, busting my butt six hours a day. What are you on? Lance Armstrong. Fool. Lying the entire time. The most sophisticated doping scheme in all of cycling history. David, a great leader, a great king. Scriptures call him a man with a heart after God. But a single action became dead flies in his perfume. Because now when you think of David, you think of David and Bathsheba. Now, here's the reality. The reality is fools make poor choices. The reputation, a reputation once broken may be repaired, but the world will always keep their eyes on the spot where the crack was. That's a great statement. A reputation once broken may be repaired. That's the good news. That's where grace comes in. It can be repaired. But I would say rightfully so, the world keeps its eyes on the crack. A person who's been unfaithful may repent and may live a life, a, tr- a trustworthy life after that. But the reality of it is you keep your eye on the crack. Paul says it, Paul puts it this way in a positive spin. He says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. You live your life in a walk of wisdom. If you don't want to be the person who has flies in your perfume, and who really wants that? You live a life of integrity at all times. You live a life and you live in such a way that your life is filled with integrity. I love this statement. I've used it several times. He was so deeply honest, it was as though from an early age he'd been marinated in integrity. That's a great statement. Looking at somebody's life, I don't know who the statement's from. It's an anonymous author. But he said, when I look at this guy's life, he was so honest. It's like from when he was a boy or she was a girl, they'd been marinated in integrity. Now, maybe it appeals to me because I like things that are marinated. I don't know. But, but it's as though their life oozes. Their life is filled with honor. Their life is filled with honesty. Their life is filled with integrity. 
Well, Solomon goes on and he says the importance of wisdom and the danger of folly. We, we see the principle that, that you can ruin your reputation over small things. And the, the real issue is your heart. I, I mean, the, the real issue is the heart. Well, that's no surprise. Jesus would tell us the same thing in the Gospels. If you look at verse 2, he says, A wise man's heart directs him to the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him to the left. So if you write in your Bible, circle the word heart, it occurs two times in there. He's saying if you're foolish or if you're wise, it, it depends upon your heart. It, it depends upon your heart. And so the, the fool is one who follows his heart away from God. How do I get that? Well, it says the foolish man goes to the left. The, the left is a direction away from God. Throughout the scriptures, we find that the way of God is to the right. For instance, in Psalm 16:8, it says, the Lord is at my right hand. We know that presently Jesus sits where? At the right hand of God. Throughout the scriptures, the right is the way of power. It's the way of wisdom. It's the way of strength. That's the way it's pictured. And so what Solomon is saying here is that the wise man follows in the ways of God. He or she goes in the way of God. They follow after God and in the direction of God. The person who's the fool goes the other way. They go to the left. They go to the way of the world, the way of weakness, the way of rejection. Biblically, away from God. Note the wise person and the fool are both led by their hearts. So you better make sure your heart, make sure your heart is following after God. Make sure your heart is trained by the word of God. Make sure your heart is equipped and taught by God's word. Make sure that your heart understands the ways of God. Make sure that your heart follows after God. Make sure that your heart is knit to the heart of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. And the scripture is profitable for reproof or for training, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, may be equipped for every good work. If you want to train your heart, you train it through the word of God. He says, if, if you want to be a man of God, if you want to be a woman of God, if you want your heart to go the way of God, he says, you become equipped by the word of God. Some of you are like I am. When I was a kid, uh, we went to church, a little Baptist church in, Mar- in New Orleans, First Baptist Church in Marrera. I had a little black uh, King James Version Bible. Had a bunch of pictures in it, thank goodness. It was a kid's Bible. And here's what I remember. It was on my nightstand next to my bed. And so on Sunday mornings, I would get dressed and I would pick up my Bible and I would take it to Sunday school. And uh, there we would look at whatever we were being taught. And then what I remember is going home after Sunday school in church on that Sunday and placing it back on my nightstand. The next time I picked it up was Sunday morning to go back to church. I cannot, and I've tried to think through this several times, I cannot remember a single time growing up when I picked up the Word of God and read it other than to take it to church on Sunday mornings. So how's your heart going to follow after God if you're not a man or woman of the Word of God? And some of you, like I was when when I was six, seven, eight years old, I mean, I I was this little chubby, bald-headed kid who... Just took his Bible home and took it to church and never read it. Is that you? If that's you, you better be careful. 
Because when you say, I'm following my heart, it's not tempered by the Word of God. When you say, I've got to go the way of my heart, it's not after the way of God. The Scriptures teach us in Jeremiah 17.9, write it down, take a look at it, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You've heard people say, and perhaps you've said it too, I've got to follow my heart. I've got to follow my heart. If you're going to follow your heart, make sure your heart is going after God. Over the years I've been here, I've had a number of people show up in my office, set up an appointment for counseling, and so we meet and we talk. And their statement is something like this, Gary, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I've got to follow my heart. Gary, I know what I'm doing is sinful, but I've got to follow my heart. And I want to look at them and say, fool. You're just a fool. I mean, really, you're going to follow your heart away from what you know is right and what you know is sinful. You're going to keep going. Usually, here's what it involves. It usually involves somebody wanting to trade their present model in for a newer, younger model. It's usually what it involves. Here, I, I know what I found is not right. I know I'm supposed to stay in my marriage. I know it's going to happen. But, but the reality is I've got to follow my heart. I've found my love. Fool. That's what Solomon calls you. He says, when you follow your heart away from God to the left, you're a fool. And the problem with the fool is his heart. He follows his heart rather than the word of God. He says, the importance of wisdom and folly, there's a principle that we looked at. That is, it destroys your reputation. The problem is your heart. The evidence, the ways of a fool. Look at verse 3. Even when a fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and he demonstrates to everyone that he's a fool. You ever see a person and you say, that's a fool? Really, you ever look at somebody and say, there's an idiot. He's stupid. She's really dumb. Not referring to IQ, but the decision she's making. Anybody ever do that? I've got my hand way up. None of y'all ever do that. You don't do that. Well, I need to, I, y'all need to disciple me. <laughs> Solomon says there's sometimes you look out there and you look at a person and their way tells you they're a fool. The things they're involved in, the things they're doing, their actions, their words, all you can do is say, Raka, fool. That's an idiot. That's an idiot. You Google up the things I talked about, uh, bicycle stunts and, and skateboard stunts and dumb criminals and You look at that and you say, fool, fool. I mean, you look out and you see, I mean, there's sometimes a temple by, I mean, we got a lot of people here. There's sometimes I look out and want to say, you're a wise person. No. Fool, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I I mean, it's just foolishness sometimes. You look at me sometimes and hear some of these stories that I tell and say, my pastor is a fool, really, at times. And he is. You see, we all go this way at times. There's sometimes when we say foolish things and do foolish things and act in foolish ways. And we wish we could rope those back in, but we can't. And Solomon says the way of a fool, you can tell it. You can see it. It's obvious in their actions. It's obvious in what they say. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listens to advice. The foolish person is a person who will never receive counsel. 
Never receive counsel. Won't listen to anybody. Won't say I'm sorry because they're never wrong. You're married to somebody who never says I'm sorry? Don't raise your hand. I mean, if you're married to them, you can look at them and say, fool. Scriptures say in Proverbs 15:2, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Gushes folly. I, I mean, all it does is speak foolish things. Scriptures go on, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. So, so fools, they never listen to anybody, but they keep talking, 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 talking. Yada, 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 yada. They delight in their... You know anybody, they just go on and on, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. I mean, you know those kind of people? They never shut up. I mean, they don't want to learn anything. They just want to tell you everything they know. It's the person that can answer every question and does. You ever been in Bible study with somebody like that? I mean, really, the person that the, the teacher asks a question, they're always, ooh, 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 they've got the first answer, and if anybody else answers, they're going to correct them. And I, I mean, they always have the right answer, or, or they always talk. You ever been in a, in a small group where somebody talks all the time, all the time? You've got my permission to look at him and say, you fool. No, don't do that in Bible study. <laughs> but that's what Proverbs says. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they, they talk this nonsense. You just want to beat the fool out of them, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Pun intended there. The mouth of fools are their undoing. Their lips are a snare to their very lives. I mean, when, when you, you see a fool, they, they, they want to fight all the time. One author says this, Wisdom is the ability to shut your mouth before someone wants to do it for you. It's wise advice. A fool is always looking in trouble, always in trouble. Remember the story of a husband and wife? I mean, they, 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 just, they, they, they were fools. They fought all the time. The guy uh, went to work the next day and... His co-worker said, how was your night? He said, it was awful. My wife and I had another terrible fight again. Uh, second guy they said, yeah, what did it, how did it come out? He said, the usual way, she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. Really, what did she say? She said, come out from under that bed and fight like a man. <laughs> Fools. Fools fight. Fools talk and never listen. Fools never say, I'm sorry. Fools never apologize. Fools never listen to counsel. It's a fool. It's a fool. Solomon goes on. He says, let me give you some examples of fools. He gives us four examples of fools. First of all, there's the foolish ruler, the guy who rules foolishly. If you drop down to verse 4, if the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. There, there's the ruler who is foolish. He, he gets angry at anyone and everyone. He's an angry ruler. He's an angry leader. Some of you work for people like that. Some of you are married to people like that. Some of you have neighbors like that. Some, some of you have uh, kids like that. So, some of you are like that. You're angry. Someone suggests something to you, you get mad. They correct you, you get mad. You live your life mad. There are some of you who don't even talk to other people in your family out of spite. It's a fool. It's a fool. A fool is one who's always popping off. A fool is one who's always angry. A fool has a default mode of anger. Always angry. Just an angry person. When you're tempted to blow your cool again, remember that Solomon calls you a fool. What do you do when you have a foolish leader? He says, he says, look at the end of verse 4, do not abandon your position because composure allies anger. 
he puts it this way in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. That's in the Proverbs. So first verse in one of the Proverbs, I forget which chapter. But when you look at that, you recognize the response to an angry ruler in what it should be. Then there's a foolish worker. You drop down a few verses and he talks about foolish workers beginning in verse 8. If you look at verse 8, it says he digs a pit when he falls into it. A serpent may bite one who breaks through a wall. He quarries stones and he may get hurt by them. He splits a log. He may be in danger by them. And scholars debate exactly what these verses are about. I think what these verses are teaching, they're teaching it's a person who does the same thing over and over and over and over again, and he either becomes overconfident or incompetent, one or the other. He's done the same surgery, the same procedure, taught the same lesson, coached the same way for so long that that eventually you become confident in your skills, not trusting in the Lord, and you can do it over and over and over again, and, and, and you quit thinking the way that you should think, and the reality of it is sometimes we make foolish decisions. We, we think just because we've done it over and over, we can do it ourselves. If the axe is dull, doesn't sharpen it, uh, you exert more strength, verse 10. Uh, and I, I think what he's saying, the foolish worker is the person who depends upon themselves rather than depending upon God. They're so overconfident that they quit thinking and they quit trusting. So you've got the foolish ruler, you've got the foolish worker, then you've got the foolish talker. The foolish talker. Look at verse uh, 12. In verse 12, words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. So you've got, you've got the two opposites. You've got a wise person who's gracious. You've got a fool who just talks incessantly and doesn't listen. Look at verse 13. The beginning of the fool, the, of his talking is folly, and in the end it's wicked madness. You ever sit with somebody and they talk so much you think, I have no idea what they just said. No idea. You may leave TBC on Sundays thinking that sometimes. It says, the way of the fool is always talking, never listening. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth, someone said. We should listen twice as much as we talk. The fool listens to no one, responds to no one. He just does and says what he wants to do. And then finally, there's the foolish leader. The foolish leader. Beginning in verse 16, it says, Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad, whose princess feasts in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility, whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness, the indolence, the indolence, the, the rafters sag, and through slackness the house leaks. It says there are good leaders, there are bad leaders, there are those who are foolish leaders, there are those who don't take care of business, who don't care for those around them. That's a bad, foolish leader. In fact, look at verse uh, verse 20. Furthermore, in your bedchamber, do not curse a king. In your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich man. For a bird of heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. We have a little proverb in our culture, a little bird told me, and that's where it comes from. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. When you think you're speaking in private, be careful. This little bird is going to hear you and tell others. What is Solomon saying in this passage? I think he's saying, pursue wisdom and flee folly. Pursue wisdom and flee folly. He's saying, here's the foolish guy. This is what the fool looks like. But as I observe people, the better way of living is to pursue wisdom. Now here's the reality. 
Here's the reality. We all want to pursue wisdom, but sometimes we're really foolish. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we make foolish decisions, we speak foolish words, and we do foolish things. See, in a group this size, several of you this week slept with somebody you're not married to. Fool. In a group this size, 20% of the men looked at pornography this week. You're a fool. In a group this size, there's some women in here who've gotten on Facebook to find old boyfriends to find out what they're up to, what they're doing, and hope that there'd be response. Fool. In a group this size, there, there are those who, like me, bring their Bible at TBC on Sunday, set it on your nightstand, and you never open it again. Fool. You see, over and over, Solomon says, you can live that way. But let me tell you a better way. Let me tell you about the way of wisdom. Let me tell you about the man of integrity. The man with gracious words. The man who leads well. The man who loves well. Let me give you the picture of wisdom. The person who did all those things. The person who modeled those things to us. His name is Jesus. And you see, he's the guy who loved well. He's the guy who lived well. He's the guy who spoke well. He's the guy when tempted did not fall into sin. So there are times, there are times in your life and my life, somebody could stamp on this forehead. Fool. Gary DeSalvo played the fool. But by his grace, those things can be overcome. And by his grace, we can be repaired. And by his grace, we can pursue wisdom. And by his grace, we can become men and women of the word who look like the Savior so that generations to come will be impacted because we've sought to live not as those who are unwise, but those who are wise. So when you look at your life today, when you look at your life, which category do you fall into? A wise woman or a foolish woman? A wise man or a foolish man? I think you know where you want to be. My prayer is that you'll walk with the Savior so you'll be that wise person pursuing him every day. Father, we've all made foolish decisions. We've all found dead flies in our perfume. We've all stated foolish things we wish we could take back. Often we've stated them to those we love the most. And for that we're sorry. Some of us this week have made terrible choices. Foolish choices. And we need to be right with the ones that we made those choices against, and we need to be right with you. Some of us have said really foolish things this week, not repented of them. So, Father, today it's our desire not to walk as those who are unwise, but those who are wise, those who look like Jesus, those who... Seek after Jesus. 
those who worship Jesus so that you might receive glory and the world around us might be changed. To you be all glory and honor and power and dominion forever and ever. Amen and amen. Bless you.